Well, hello everyone. My name is Josh White. I am the lead pastor of Door of Hope. We're a family of churches in Portland, Oregon. Obviously, I was supposed to be with you in Cornwall at the beginning of August, but now I am preaching to you from the Cannon Beach Conference Center where I am speaking for the week. Well, I am going to speak to you about what it means to have a faith that works and a love that labors and a hope that is patient. You know, my earliest memory in childhood is a memory of being put in the back of a car by my father when I was two. My mom and dad had divorced when I was one, and on this particular occasion, my dad had showed up to the house drunk, and he had taken me, and he had put me in the car, and my mom and dad were fighting over me, and I remember the incident. I can't hear it in my memory, but I can see it almost like a silent movie of my mom going crazy, hitting my dad, even throwing rocks at him. My mom tells me that I was crying out, mama, don't let him take me, while my dad is yelling, he's my son too. Well, last year I was visiting my father in his rundown uh, home in Sterling, Alaska, a very rural part of, of, of the Kenai Peninsula. And my dad and I have had a very on and off relationship uh, through most of my adult life. But about eight years ago, I began to be deeply convicted by the lack of relationship, especially as a pastor of a church that I was reluctant to engage with my father because of his long drug and alcohol addiction. But I began to dig in and, and pursue him. And on this particular occasion, I was sitting in his filthy home and my dad is now on oxygen and he had the oxygen tube in his nose and he was drinking his vodka mixed with water. And he, could barely, he can barely get his breath, and he has this raspy voice, and he has greasy hair stuck to his forehead. And I bring up this particular incident with him, and he says to me, he says, yeah, I remember it. And I said, I said, yeah? And he goes, yeah, I'm still mad at you over that, Joshua. And I said, mad at me? I was two. And he said, yeah, I'm still mad at you. And I said, Why? And he said, because you didn't want to be with me. I remember sitting silently in the room, kind of overwhelmed by the statement because it seemed so, so bizarre to me. Here is a man at 67 years old, still 40-something years later, feeling like his son had wronged him, even though I was only two years old, by not wanting to be with him in that moment. And I sat there and all of a sudden I had this overwhelming, I would only call it kind of a Holy Spirit moment where a compassion broke over me for this man who sat alone in his home day in, day out and continues to this day. In fact, he's been in the hospital five times already this year uh, because of his drinking and his COPD, this chronic lung condition from his chain smoking. And I looked up at him and he was wheezing, looking at the television. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry. And he said, it's okay, son. 
you know, your old man's just having a hard time right now. And I said, I understand, Dad. And there we sat silently in the room. And I remember his favorite television show was playing on the TV. It was Little House on the Prairie, that iconic American TV show from, uh, from the 80s, maybe the late 70s, early 80s. I watched it constantly as a kid. And in this particular episode, Pa Ingalls is in a field and he is pleading with God to save his son who is dying. And I found myself in that moment pleading the same for my dad. God, would you save my dad? You see, when we have a faith that works, it isn't just a matter of a faith in Christ that saves us, but that saving faith becomes the ability to maintain faith for those that are faithless. I, I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What I love about this statement is that Paul is saying this church is known not for its theological astuteness, but for a faith that actually is being played out in every arena of life. Their faith in Jesus now was being played out in their ability to live out that faith in every arena of existence, which means having faith for the faithless. Their love was not just experiencing or receiving the love of God, saying yes to God's grace, his one-way love, if I can borrow from Paul's all. But now it was being a conduit of that love toward the unlovable. Their hope was not just a hope that they would be with Jesus, but now they were able to be conduits of hope for those that they came into contact with that were hopeless. And I would just ask you in this particular moment and climate in which we live, is this how you are marked if you're a believer? And if you're not a believer, what is it that you've placed your faith in? What is it that you have given your heart to? What is it that you have placed your hope in? You see, to have a faith that works, if I was to begin there, is to have, it begins with this reality that it is not our works that save us, but it is our faith in the God who worked on our behalf through his son Jesus. You see, the gospel is down to earth in its very nature. It is about a God who has come down to us. Every other world religion is built upon a philosophy of a ladder. Climb these rungs, do these things, and God will accept you. But Christianity is unique in that it proclaims not what we can do in order that God may save us, but it actually declares over us something that's offensive to a modern sensibility, and that is that you are impotent to save yourself. But God is not content to exist without you and he has entered into the human dilemma sin we're told about Jesus in 2nd Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God that 
verse is directly connected to the symbol that defines us as a people, and that is the symbol of a cross. Very different from a ladder. For a ladder is something you climb, and a cross is something you die on. And there we have God dying for the sinner. Him taking death the rebellion of humanity, because sin by its very definition is our rebellion against God's rule. It's just simply this. It's us trying to be our own gods, us trying to control and dictate our own realities. But that is not the way to live. In fact, it leads to futility. It leads to hopelessness. And this is the reality that I have found is that faith is more than just saying that Jesus is the son of God. Faith is a disposition toward Christ that allows Christ the right to be Christ in and through me. This is faith that I let Jesus be for me what I cannot be for myself. I love Major Ian Thomas, a great Christian thinker uh, that is long past once said that faith is allowing the Holy Spirit to occupy the whole of your personality with the adequacy of Christ. That our disposition toward Christ actually allows Jesus now the ability to be himself in and through us. This is the power of faith. And it is when we put our faith in him that we begin to be able to now have faith for the faithless, faith for the owl whites of the world. But not only that, it's also about a love that labors. Because the only thing that actually can keep us moving as Christians toward our goal is to have the proper affections. And we're told that when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and the love of God is poured into our hearts. What this means is that we become ones who begin to believe, and this is so essential to victorious Christian living, that on our worst thinking day, Jesus is crazy about us. And when we believe that we are loved in spite of our own unlovable realities, it is then that we can become conduits. That is those who love the unlovable because we know how unlovable we ourselves are. You see, my prayer for my dad flowed out of my acceptance of God's declaration over my own life. You are lost, you are a sinner, you need help, and I am here to give you help. I am here to say I love you in spite of who you are. Josh, you're not a bigger failure than I already know that you are. It's okay. On your worst day, I'm crazy about you. When I accepted that, it is then that I began to become a conduit of love toward others. And finally, to have a hope that is patient. You see, we are told that the hope of the Christian life is that the best is yet to come. That Jesus came into this world and lived the perfect life that we could not live. He took human frailty upon himself, that his life qualified him for the death that he died on the cross as the world's sin bearer. He is the representative man, the one for the many and the many and the one. And on the cross, he tasted death, but we're told that death could not keep him for on the third day he rose from the dead. And after showing himself alive to his followers, 
He ascended to the right hand of the Father, but we are told that he is coming back to set right all that is wrong in the world. Listen, there is a reality that we are confronted with in this very moment. And that reality is this, that people are lost and hurting, but God is still in the business of pursuing and saving. And he wants to do it through you and I. You see, we need to be the conduits of the very hope that we ourselves are experiencing. We need to bring hope to the hopeless. And when we put our faith in Jesus, a faith that works now is this disposition of trust that carries us through our day, changes us from the inside out. When we accept the love of Christ, we now become conduits of that same love. We know how unlovable we are. Therefore, we are able to maintain a compassion toward others. We're not surprised when people sin because we know they're sinners just like us. This is why the probably the healthiest way that we as Christians could act are more like those that go to an AA meeting. That's probably the purest kind of church service there is. For you begin with the simple disposition, I need help. I can't fix myself. Christians have no business pretending to have it all together. That's not what convinces the world. What the world is looking for is an authenticity, a vulnerability, a recognition that I am lost, but Jesus is good, and he has reached into my lostness, and now I'm found. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never trusted in Jesus, put your faith in him. For our faith in other things will only leave us empty. All the pleasures of life cannot be truly enjoyed until they are in their proper place. And it begins with a restoration of right relationship with the God who created you for himself. Only then can you have a right relationship with others. And only then can you begin to have a right relationship with yourself. For the one who has Jesus has everything. And the one who has Jesus has the ability to have a faith that works, a love that labors, and a hope that is patient, a faith for the faithless, a love for the unlovable, a hope for the hopeless. My prayer is that Jesus is your anchor in these days, that you would ask yourself, who is it in my life that I am called to have faith for, to not lose hope for, to continually show love to. God's grace is this, that on your worst day, he's crazy about you. Thanks, guys. Much love. This is Josh.